Welcome back to More Money Minutes for Doctors. This is episode number 14, where we're going to be talking about tax-efficient investing strategies for doctors. I'm Catherine Vesnes, CEO and founder of MD Financial Advisors. It is my great, great privilege to be with my special guest today, Josh Lance. Josh is my chief investment officer, my de facto partner, and we've been working together for, I think it's 12 years now. So thanks for joining me, Josh. Great to be here. So we call Josh our investment guru around the office, which is why I'm extra excited about having him with me today, because we're going to be talking about a subject that's very near and dear to both his heart and my heart, and that's about tax-efficient investing. Now, for further questions, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media at MD Financial Advisors, and that way you won't miss an episode. So with tax season upon us, many of you are probably wondering, what could you do differently to minimize taxes both today and in retirement? And today's episode is all about how we do this for our clients using tax-efficient investing. Excellent. So for starters, this is a topic we could talk about for hours. There are so many nuances to this, but we're going to hit the highlights today to just give you the basics. So when it comes to tax-efficient investing, the theme here is it's not really what you make, it's what you keep. We know as as doctors, you're making those high incomes, but we want to want you to keep more of your assets over time. And that's really what this is all about. It's so it, important because one of the things I tell clients all the time is taxes are going to have a bigger impact on your future than anything we do in the stock market. So there's three main strategies to zero in on for today. So this is what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the first one, which we call tax structure, or sometimes you hear us talk about the tax control triangle. The second is asset placements. And the third is how do we use some tax efficient funds when they apply? Absolutely. Okay. What's next? So starting with tax structure, we've got that tax control triangle and we've covered this in a a previous episode here. But that's okay because not all of our listeners may have been there. So let me run through this really quickly. So we you like to call this the tax buckets, and frequently we use this at every single meeting with clients. So I'm going to run through this pretty quickly. So at the top of the triangle, we have the taxable bucket. Some people call this the non-qualified bucket, or it could be a brokerage account. Kinds of things that live in this account, uh, these accounts would include um, your investments, your brokerage accounts that are in your name might be bank accounts, could also be real estate. And with the exception of real estate, most of these tend to be pretty liquid investments. And you're going to see in a minute as we go through the triangle, each of these has a pro and a con. So Josh, tell us what are the pros and the cons with a taxable bucket? With taxable, the pro is generally flexibility. So most, just like you you hit on most investments, there are liquid, they're accessible. You can get that money within a few days. Definitely the pro there. It's flexible, so this is good for the rainy day fund. It's good for upcoming purchases. Definitely needs some money here. The con, though, is the IRS is going to tax you on it each year. So as you earn some dividends in this kind of account, let's say it's it's invested in something, it's earning a dividend. Well, the IRS is going to tax you on those dividends each year. 
And then if you realize a gain or think of it like a profit, then the IRS is going to tax you on that particular gain each year. So it's not like you get to hold off on paying the taxes until retirement. Unfortunately, that's the case. But as Josh says, this is the place we start with every single client. So I put like a number one in this box. We want to make sure everybody has some money here because it's accessible, as Josh says, and there's no penalties or surrender charges for pulling the money out of this account. Okay, our second bucket on the left side is our tax deferred bucket. Now this can include your 403B, your 401K, IRAs, simple SEP IRAs, and a whole bunch of other things, including annuities and 457 plans. So Josh, what are the pros and cons in the tax deferred bucket? Pro is you're gonna defer those taxes today. So these style accounts, you're putting in money and you're not being taxed on that money that you're putting in. So you get a nice little write-off. It's growing without any kind of taxation. So even if you're changing the investments up along the way, no big deal, no taxes due. And then it's going to come out fully taxable as ordinary income in retirement. And that can be a little painful because it's as if you earn those dollars. That's what we mean by ordinary income when you pull the funds out. And even if you don't need the money, say in your 60s, the IRS is going to force it out eventually at age 72. So we see a lot of our doctors kind of overbuild this style account because their employer contributions go here, their contributions go here, and it becomes a big part of this triangle. And then we get a little lopsided to one side versus the others, and it can make for a lot of taxation due in retirement. So, you know, our clients that are in those higher brackets or a high tax state or, or whatever need to be considering this but it needs to be unique to your circumstance. You don't wanna just assume always you should be funding these tax deferred accounts. Right, there's a lot of nuances, including your match at work. And as Josh said, which particular state you're in. So for instance, if you're in California, you might have a 13% state tax. This may be one of the few ways in California that you can actually get your taxes down. Now, unfortunately, a big drawback as to this account, as Josh mentioned, is in retirement, it comes out fully taxable at ordinary income tax rates. So we've got two unknowns here. We don't know how much this account's going to grow to, and we have no idea what the taxes are going to be in retirement. Um, but we have a strategy for dealing with that. So the pros and cons here are save taxes today, but the cons are it can be a big, big, big tax bill in retirement. We've had clients come to us that might have $3 million in there. And, um, you know, unfortunately, depending upon their state, it's not really worth $3 million. If you're in California, New Jersey, it might only be worth half that. So you have to take that into consideration when you're planning for your future. Now, let's talk about everybody's favorite bucket, Josh, the tax-free. What goes into the tax-free account? So money goes in after taxes, so you don't get that right off. It grows without taxation, and then it comes out tax-free in retirement. So some people think of this as tax insurance because you're essentially prepaying your tax bill. You're not worrying about paying it at a later date at a possible different tax rate. Um, so that's our difference here with the tax-free bucket. Right. Once again, all of these have got pros and cons. And as Josh mentioned, the con here is we have to pay the taxes up front. But then if we do it right, you never have to pay taxes again. 
So I think of this as the taxable bucket, as the tax now bucket, the tax deferred bucket as late tax later, and the tax free as tax never. But we don't know what those tax rates are going to be later on. And that can be a huge unknown, particularly if you're going to be retired for a long time. A lot of our clients want to retire at 65. We plan on them living 30 years. That's a long time for the tax rates to change. And to be frank, I think they change about every two years as Congress changes. Currently, we're in a situation, a pretty unusual one, where we have our House, our Senate, and our presidency all of the same party. So we're all expecting tax changes to get through Congress pretty darn quickly. And unfortunately, we think a lot of our doctors are going to be hit with some higher tax bills in the future. So check back with us. Josh and I will be doing some more videos and even some webinars on this topic in the future as things become more clear. All right, let's go to tax structure. So this is one of the techniques that we use to help reduce taxes both now and in retirement. So Josh, why don't you explain how this works? Well, this is really the summary of what we were just talking about, which is, you know, you have this triangle, which we're calling tax structure. And the important thing is we want tax diversification, meaning assets on all three sides of the triangle. It helps you play what we call tax arbitrage in the future. Think of this as bracket control. Um, it helps you pull out money from certain tax corners of that triangle up to certain levels. Let's say you were trying to keep your, your uh, taxable income under 100,000. You could pull it up to 100,000 then pull the difference out of say the tax-free account. That gives you bracket control. There's certain taxes that start at certain tax rates. And so if we can avoid exceeding that particular bracket, we can stop another tax from taking place, say, in your brokerage account. So that's really what it's doing. Also, if we have really high tax rates relative to history, well, then we'll pull more money out of the tax-free bucket. Uh, if we have lower tax rates well, to, relative to history, then we'll pull more money out of tax defer. So it just gives us a ton more freedom and choice for your circumstance later on if we have that tax diversification in tax structure. Now, what does this mean to you? We've actually seen cases where uh, doctors came to us and they hadn't thought about this at all. As I mentioned, maybe they stuffed a lot of money in those tax deferred accounts. And by doing that, it actually cost them millions in taxes during retirement that they wouldn't have had to pay if they had had a better tax structure up front. So please don't ignore this because this can have a gigantic impact on your financial future. So the next particular strategy we'll move on to is something we call asset placement. And think of this about as that tax triangle where we put certain investments alongside that triangle. We could actually put certain ones in a different spot of each part of the triangle. And our whole goal with asset placement is we're trying to increase your after-tax wealth without increasing your risk. So we want to keep the risk the same, but we want to increase after-tax wealth. And we do that by being more strategic about which assets go into each of the corners of the triangle. So to understand this better, first, we have to define a few things. So we have what we call asset classes. Basically, what you should know is an asset class behaves in a very similar manner. They typically are 
of a similar region or similar company size. So to give you some examples, uh, U.S. small companies would be an asset class. U.S. large companies would be an asset class. Emerging markets like China, India, Brazil would be an asset class. They behave in a very similar way. Now, what you should know about those asset classes is some of them have higher expected returns, meaning the more risky an asset, the more we expect it to give you return over long periods of time because you need to be rewarded for taking that risk. But not all of these asset classes are of the same tax efficiency. Some are really tax efficient, others are not. And so these differences give us this opportunity that we call asset placement. What has more expected return when it comes to these asset classes? At the bottom, we have bonds. Bonds typically don't have as high expected returns because they're more conservative by nature. Depends on the bond, but more conservative. And then as we go up here, we see the, the asset classes that have higher expected returns are going to be like our small value or our real estate or emerging markets. Those things are much riskier, so we expect them to reward you much more over time. Bonds and, say, the real estate, they kick off income. Income's taxed at ordinary income levels, much higher tax rates there. So those are less tax efficient. Where things like our U.S. stocks, ton more tax efficient because they typically kick off dividends. Dividends, depending on how it's structured, is going to be taxed at a lower tax rate. So more tax efficient. And this is a hugely important issue in those brokerage accounts, in those taxable accounts. And the reason is a lot of our clients haven't thought about the fact that they have a lot of bonds in those accounts. They're throwing off ordinary income every year. They didn't realize that interest was taxed at ordinary income tax rates. And likewise, we can get unfavorable tax treatment on certain international holdings. So it's a really important thing to consider as we go forward. So... What this means for us as investors is if we've got those three sides of the triangle, in the tax-deferred part of the triangle, we want to put the more conservative assets and also the assets that are not very tax-efficient. We want them to live there um, because we don't care about their tax efficiency, given we have that tax-deferred shelter there, so it's not going to impact it. And the reason why we want the more conservative ones there is we'd actually like to slow down the growth there a little bit because those accounts are going to come out later on in life, tax to ordinary income. So if it's smaller because the growth was slowed down, then your taxes are small. In the taxable, in the center here, we want the most tax efficient assets to live there. And then the tax free, we want the stuff that's going to grow to the moon. We want the riskier asset classes to live in the tax free so that we can grow that tax free faster. Right. That tax free bucket is where we want to put that $10,000 investment and Hopefully it grows to 100,000 or even more in retirement. So when we pull it out, we don't have to pay any tax at all on that. Now I wanna talk a little bit about to Josh's comment about putting more of the uh, bonds into the tax deferred account to slow down the growth. I know some of you may be thinking, oh my gosh, but that sounds horrible. We don't wanna slow down growth, right? We want greater returns. Well, it's true. We want greater returns overall. So sometimes the best way to explain this is to simply compare and contrast. You have the traditional method. So let's say we're not doing asset placement. Uh, we're not worried about that. Let's say we decide to invest a portfolio 70% stock, 30% bonds. We call that 
we would go buy that 70-30 in each of the accounts in each side of the tax triangle. So as a result of that, let's say we get 7% rates of return. We're going to get very similar rates of return in each side of the triangle because it's all invested in the same stuff. It's invested the same way. Now, contrast to that, asset placement, and that's going to be a little bit different. We're still going to invest at 70% stock, 30% bonds. So our risk level is the same. We're just going to be smarter about where stuff lives. So we're going to put, say, the U.S. stocks up top in the taxable accounts because they're tax efficient. We're going to put the really aggressive stuff like emerging markets or small value in the tax-free. Return instead of seven now is 9.5. It's higher. And then we're going to put the more conservative stuff, say the bonds in the tax deferred. Now that return goes down. By way of example, it's 4.5. So we're taking the same amount of risk, but our returns changed around a little bit. And when you shave off the taxes, as under the traditional method, we shave off the taxes, we get about 5.5% after tax rates return. But in the asset placement method, let's say we get 6.33 after we shave off those taxes. And that's simply because we were smarter about where those asset classes live. And I want to say a lot of clients are like, well, Catherine, you know, that's less than a 1% per year. But we're going to show you in a minute how that amount over 15 and even 30 years can have a gigantic impact on your portfolio. So to Catherine's point, let's add up the numbers here. So what we're doing is comparing the traditional method versus asset placement for pre-tax before any kind of taxes. We assume they get 7%. And then we assume those after-tax rates of return, five and a half and 6.33. So it's 0.83% uh, difference. And if you, you had a million dollars in a 20-year period of time, there's a difference of 500,000. In a 40-year period of time, because of compound interest, 3.5 million. It's pretty significant. Well, extremely significant. So for some of our doctors who are, who are maybe they're 45 or 50, they've got that million dollars, they want to retire in 20 years, an extra $500,000 might mean retiring a year early or maybe even two years early in the right situation. And likewise, if we have more time to work with over 40 years, it can have a gigantic impact on your portfolio. Three and a half million, that's quite a bit. So that is asset placement in a nutshell. We're going to move on to the last category, which is tax-efficient funds. Now, these particular tax-efficient funds only apply to the taxable part of the triangle. So the top of the triangle there, it doesn't apply to, to tax-free or tax-deferred because we don't care about their tax efficiency. They have that shelter um, where it doesn't matter. Now, for the top of the, the tax control triangle, we have you know, the, the cost of ongoing taxation. And we have what we call it a tax cost ratio, which is your pre-tax return minus your after-tax return, okay? And we can measure this on investment. So if it was a mutual fund or an ETF, we can measure this. And what tax-efficient funds do is they have a really good tax cost ratio. And the reason is, they screen out short-term capital gains, which are taxed at higher rates. They screen for things like qualified dividends, which are taxed at lower rates. So they make sure you've got those qualified dividends. 
and they screen for certain tax treaties. That's what they're doing inside the fund. They're special funds that are specific to live in taxable accounts. So it's another case, it's another tax efficient strategy that can help doctors retire early. So Josh, let's talk for a minute about how this can actually work for clients and and how would the numbers turn out? Right. So if you're using a fund that's more tax efficient, it's specifically designed to be in those brokerage accounts, we're going to have a a better tax cost ratio. You're going to keep more of your actual return, what you're making. And so just by way of example, let's say we had two investments and investment one is very tax efficient. Let's say its tax cost ratio is 0.4% and investment two, its tax cost ratio is something higher, actually more typical to be about 1.27%. We have a difference in those tax cost ratios of 0.87%. You know, investment one is designed to be in those brokerage accounts. Investment two, you might have put it in the brokerage account just by mistake. So if those got the same identical rate of return, 10 years from now on a million dollars, it's $149,000 difference in the more tax efficient funds. So another $149,000 in your pocket. In a 20-year difference of time, it's $542,000 difference. So you can see just putting the right tax efficient funds in the right side of that tax triangle, when we were talking about tax structure, is very meaningful. This saves you a lot of taxation over time. It can be huge. And Josh, in your example, did you start out with an investment of 100000 Uh Started with a million dollars. Started with a million dollars. And you said over 20 years, it gave us an extra 500 some odd thousand dollars, an additional 500,000 dollars. Right. So in our hypothetical, what did these two accounts grow to? And then let's go back to the difference again. Well, in the hypothetical, you know, a million dollars grows to 3.5, almost 3.6 million. That's number one. Yep. And investment number two grows to 3 million. So the, the difference there is, is what you're saving um, in taxation. It's huge. It can make a gigantic difference over time. And I should say those numbers are reflective of current tax rates. As tax rates go up, which we're all expecting that to happen, uh, this becomes an even more important part of our doctor's investment strategy, wouldn't you say? I think so, that it helps you even more in the future if tax rates go up. Excellent. So that summarizes what we're trying to talk about today, which is three tax strategies for more tax-efficient investing, tax structure, asset placement, and using those tax-efficient funds where it matters. So we really think that you've worked very hard for your money, and we want to make sure that your money is working hard for you and efficiently and effectively for you. So definitely, I hope your takeaway today was how important it is to seek tax diversification and utilizing these asset placement techniques among your investments and the tax efficient funds. All of this is going to help you have a much brighter future. So in closing, please follow us on social media. If you found this podcast helpful, please forward it to your colleagues. And we welcome your questions. Please send them to us because they give us topics for future broadcasts. And finally, 
You can reach out to us directly for a second opinion on your financial health by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. So please take care, stay healthy, and prosper.